Welcome to Zeitgeist Radio. I'm your host, Morgan Rowe, founder of the Zeitgeist Academy. Zeitgeist means spirit of the times, and it is the collection of cultural forces that all contribute to what it feels like to be alive and part of a dynamic culture. Every episode, I speak with someone from a unique musical subculture. We dig into their passion and explore how music is a powerful force that brings people together. Before we dive into today's interview, I want to offer you something special. If you're like me, you come out of these interviews with all sorts of questions. Each week, after speaking with one of our amazing guests, I dive into something they introduced us to that I find interesting or important. I write a blog post about it and email a nice tidy bundle to your inbox every two weeks. Never miss an exploration of an awesome musical subculture. Join the Academy and sign up for my free newsletter at zeitgeistacademy.com radio. My guest today is Larissa, a.k.a. Zara, a belly dance performer and teacher out of Atascadero, California. Larissa, welcome to Zeitgeist Radio. Well, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to ask you all about belly dancing. <laughs> so uh, let's start with how long did you, like, when did you get into this? And, and can you tell people kind of like, like, what is belly dance? Because I think a lot of people think like old movies from the 80s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what first started, when I first started getting into belly dancing, a friend of mine was performing at the local Renaissance Fair. And my girlfriends and I, we went to go support her and we see it. And I was just mesmerized. I was just like, I I have to do that. I, I have to learn how to do that. Um, So as soon as my friend was done performing, we pulled her aside and we were like, where can we take classes? Like, so she introduced us to her teacher and we started taking classes with her. Um, this was my junior year in high school. So... That's really dating myself. <laughs> we won't say uh, how long ago that was. <laughs> yeah. Same <laughs> minute. <laughs> uh, yeah. So ever since then, I've been doing it. And uh, I started out just taking like the beginner classes. And the next thing I know, my teacher is like, oh, you're really good. And you guys should perform. And we're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> what was your first performance? Fine Street Showcase. Wow, you remember that immediately. I do. I do. Because <laughs> it was very cold. <laughs> oh, tell me all about yeah, it. Yeah. Because uh, so Vine Street Showcase is always in December. It's like a Christmas themed thing. And it's always freezing cold. Um, <laughs> knock on wood, thanks climate change for making it slowly warmer every year. Oh, no. But um, <laughs> so yeah, sad. it used to be like 40, sometimes 30 degrees at night because we do it at night because Vine Street Showcase is all about the lights and the Christmas lights. So yeah, we would be all bundled up until we had to perform, then throw everything off and then wear our belly dance costumes. Oh my gosh. And how did that first performance go? Were you like super nervous? I was pretty nervous and my teacher had the entire beginning class perform and the stage was really small. So we were all just crowded on this little tiny stage just hoping that we didn't break it. Oh man. <laughs> Which we didn't. So <laughs> yay. Hey, how big were was this class? There was about 20, 20 women in oh, it. Gosh. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. A lot of them only took it for a few classes. Yeah. I, I was one of the diehards. <laughs> I still are one of yes. the diehards. Yes. <laughs> um, awesome. So oh, I have so many questions. You have so many stories. So where did Zara come from? It actually came from a Bollywood movie. 
Nice. Because that's my other passion is Bollywood. Um, traditionally, somebody is supposed to give you your belly dance name. Um, but Lindsay and Annette took too long. So I just gave myself my own dance name. Nice. And so that was that a character that you really liked or do you like yes. the sound of it? Yes. I, I, both. I, I liked the character from this particular movie that I saw and I just liked the name of it. I was like, ooh, sorry. Yeah. That sounds that cool. nice. It rolls off the tongue really well. Yeah. So before we get into a little more about Zara, I think another good place people should like get some context is Renfair. Mm-hmm. So have how many Renfairs have you done? Do you think? Oh boy! <laughs> wow, a lot. Um, so since the first time that I went in slow, and I've been to a Renfair pretty much every year since then, at least one, uh, minus of course our and pandemic years. <laughs> right, but you've also gone other places. Yes, right? I've you've gone traveled, to Vegas, yeah. uh, San Jose, uh, Ojai Renfair. Oh. R.I.P. Ojai. <laughs> it was one of the best fairs we ever went to. Can you give people, mo- I feel like a lot of people know what Ren Fair is, but in case there's folks out there that have never been to one, can you give people like a real down and dirty, what is a Ren Fair? Oh boy. Well, there's two different types of fairs. There's ones that try to be a little bit more historically accurate. They're going for that traditional medieval English time period. That's kind of what our local rent fair is like. And then there's the other fairs that they kind of technically call themselves fantasy or pleasure fairs. And those are kind of like just a free for all. It's people can dress up as fairies. Uh, I've seen folks dressed up like full on like dragon humanoid costumes. Um, it, it's it's really fun. So those are more of a fantasy element yes, versus yes. others that are more like like people are still in costume. But it's more like traditional costume. Yes. Yeah. And you walk around and there's like, you know, turkey legs and <laughs> you won't see like, you know, you won't see neon signs. You won't, It's a lot of handmade no. goods. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of um, a lot of the vendors are all like artisans. They sell uh, handmade soaps. They sell a bunch of like weapons. Um Sometimes the people selling them are the ones that make them. Sometimes not. They just collect them from various people. Um, people selling like leather goods, um, furs, just, yeah, a lot of yeah. like natural handmade stuff. Yeah. So how does your belly dance fit into these Ren fairs? Like, let's talk first the like more common one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so our troupe actually had to come up with a whole background story because our fair, again, in particular, is very picky about it being historically accurate. So our guild leaders, um, Ron and Margie, their rent fair personas as Lord Shirley and Princess Samsonia. So they actually found that these were real people in that set time period that our fair is supposed to occur, which is about mid-1500s. Um, so Lord Shirley was kind of like a diplomat ambassador from England, and he went to a lot of the Middle East. And when he was traveling, he met a princess from Persia. Her name is Princess Samsonia. So they fall in love. He marries her, and then she becomes like an additional ambassador for Persia to England. So they traveled around all across Europe and Middle East, 
And the princess, as was pretty common for women in her court, you didn't travel alone. You had ladies-in-waiting. You had um, just women to kind of entertain you. So that was kind of the whole point of the belly dance troupe is we were her entertainers Mm -hmm. and some of us were her servants. We served her whenever she needed something. And hence where Zara kind of comes into play, right? Zara yes. Zara is a character yes. in her court. So my character is actually from the Mughal Empire. It's because the name is actually a Muslim name. Um, so yes, I am. my character is a court dancer from the Mughal Empire. Nice. When you're at these fairs, can you describe the setup of your... Because it's not just like, oh, it's your turn to go on stage. Like You guys have a whole setup that you do. Yeah. Well, sometimes. <laughs> I mean, well, the one I saw you did. That's the goal. That's the plan. It doesn't always go to plan. But yes, usually we have a particular set that we put together. We have dances that we practice. Most of them are group dances. And then we try to sprinkle in a solo or a duet just to kind of mix it up a little bit. Um, sometimes when <laughs> things don't go to plan uh, or we're missing somebody, We'll just throw a soloist on and be like, here, fill in some space, entertain the people so they don't go away. Yeah. Um, and you're dancing on a stage. You Like, can you describe, like, I want to get into the actual dance, but I think the scene of it and the setting of it is kind of, like, essential to the feel of it. Yeah. So what does that look like, the, the like, your area? Well, back in the day, we used to not really have a stage. We just had rugs. We just laid them all out and hoped that that was big enough for as many dancers that we had. Sure. Um, Ron, our guild master, he actually kind of built us a stage, and it lasted for a little bit while and then just kind of started to wear down, um, so we had to get rid of it. And then this last year, when you saw me dance, yeah. um, the fair had another stage that it wasn't getting used because they weren't able to recruit enough performers. So they just built the stage in our encampment, which was wow. really, really nice. <laughs> do you prefer a stage or do you prefer the rugs? Uh, I I prefer a stage if we're going to be doing the sword or balancing stuff on our heads. Like, it's so much easier on a stage. Yeah. Um, the rugs can be fun because then you're a little bit closer to the audience. I can interact and engage with them a little bit more. Um, but balancing stuff on my head on rugs is... <laughs> not as easy yeah okay so let's get into the actual dance now that we've set the scene um what are some types of dances you know so many yes uh so there's different types of dances and they depend on the different countries because belly dance is kind of all over it originally came from egypt and egypt back in the day used to be broken up between upper egypt and lower egypt So there was actually two distinct styles that came out of that. Um, Upper Egypt was predominantly the Saidi dance. Uh, It's it's a lot of like lifting your feet and leg work. And usually they would use sticks or a cane. Um, And then Lower Egypt is, there isn't really a specific name for it. It's kind of just generally referred to as like folklore dancing. I think the Kaligi style is from there, too. And that was like women would wear these really billowy caftans and they would dance a lot with their hair. They would kind of like throw them 
around. And it was a very specific type of movement that you would do. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just about those two, and that's only one country. Yeah. Um, and Greece has their own style, too. I, I forget the name that they call it yeah. specifically in their country, but um, I think the Greek dances are a little bit more, like there's more clapping, uh, more spinning, uh, and I think a little bit more prop work, because most Egyptian dances don't typically rely on props. I think the stick and the cane is probably the only exception. Sure. And then what about some of the, so what are, what are some things you've balanced? <laughs> oh gosh, I've balanced swords, um, bowls, baskets, uh, metal trays, uh, I know I forget, canes. Um, I think that's it. There's so many. Yeah, <laughs> no. And, and I think, I don't know, I was really impressed with the, the bowl that you, I don't know, there was one particular dance where, where Larissa, like you were. Basically upside down. You were bent in half and somehow this bowl was still balanced. How do you do that? Yeah. So the trick is to keep your chin parallel to the ground. So I I can like if I lean really far forward, as long as my chin's not dipping down and I'm keeping my head up, whatever is on top of my head's gonna stay. It was it was amazing. Yeah. It was incredible. It, it helps that we wrap our heads um with fabric. And we pick specific things um, like fabric that's really textured and grainy. Mm -hmm. That's going to keep something more stable and it's not going to slip off. I did feel much better after Larissa told me that because <laughs> she was like, here, do you want to try balancing this on yes. your head? Of course. Sure. Yeah. And I like I have a lumpy head apparently and it just kept falling. There, right there are tricks of the trade. Um, some dancers also for their swords, they'll have little grooves cut into the blade mm -hmm. right where they know the balance point is and that will help them balance it wait were you balancing swords on your head or on your i was picturing on your like hands yeah no we balance them on top on of our heads head. yeah <laughs> there are dancers i've seen that will balance them on like their shoulder or even on their hip bone oh my um, gosh yeah the, those those ladies are next level <laughs> so the the rest of so belly dance. I think when a lot of people think belly dance, they picture like just like moving your kind of like doing like a wave or something with your belly. But it's so much more than that. Are there like can you describe some of the moves and some of the like yes muscles that are yes. involved in this? <laughs> uh, so traditional Egyptian belly dance actually focuses more on hip work. Um, and, and that's like all kinds of isolation of hip work that you could possibly think of. That's like lifting one hip higher than the other, dropping the hip. Um, which people like try this at home, like try this right now. <laughs> try just like yes. doing that. It's yes. almost like a, it's like a stretch. It's a workout. Like, yes. I do yeah. that. And I'm like, oh, wow. I gotta like, yeah. yeah feel if you don't stiff. feel a muscle pinching or straining, then you're not doing it right. <laughs> Are those the dances that have so when when would you use those little um like discs? Oh yes, shiny the, things. They're finger symbols or they're called zills. Um, I mean you can use those at any time. I mean like the ones on your hips. The like like when you think of belly dance, a lot of people think oh, of the like shimmy the, shimmy. Yeah, things. the coin belts. Yeah, yes. So the coin belts came from a time when women, you know, they didn't have their own money and they didn't have bank accounts. Um, so a lot of the times women got a dowry when they got married and all of their wealth, like their coins, they would sew it into their clothing. So 
that way they always had it with them. And it kind of became a thing of like, oh, well, when I move, it makes this cool sound. So let's uh, let's dance with that on us. Nice. Um, and it just like became like just add more and more and more. And if a dancer had like a lot of coins on her belt, it was kind of signifying like you're pretty You're pretty wealthy. wealthy. Like you had money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is it hard to make those things shimmy? No. <laughs> actually, oh, really? No. no. <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just really inflexible in my hips because <laughs> it seems like like just moving that fast would be difficult. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're pretty they're pretty sensitive. Like just a little bit of hip movement will start to make them jingle and move. How so. many costumes do you have or like have you danced? Oh, boy. Um, I've had a lot because... I, I've also changed size-wise over the years. When I first started, you know, I was I was Seven. in high school. <laughs> I right. was a tiny, petite little person, um, and and I didn't have any money. I was totally poor at the time because I'm a 17 year old. Right. Um. So a lot of the stuff me and my girlfriends made not well, not not well at all. We we did the best we could. We went to Walmart and bought those simplicity patterns oh, yes. <laughs> I, I, I did the best we could and then we went to a belly dance convention Rakasa, which is like the biggest belly dance convention on the west coast and just lost our minds <laughs> we we're like oh my god there's so many shiny pretty things <laughs> like, i want one of everything um so, you know, we'd save up all of our money and buy, like, one thing. Yeah. And then just, like, ha, yes, add this to my collection. Um, so, yeah, just over the years, I, I've gotten some stuff for free from other dancers. I mean, that's pretty common in the belly dance community because, um, you know, we're women. <laughs> our sizes fluctuate. And so we end up passing, passing things around. <laughs> yeah. Well, this no longer fits me anymore. Here, this will probably fit you. Here you go. Um, and I've done that with my stuff, too. I've given it to some of the younger dancers. And, uh, yeah, just I would say, gosh, at at the most one time, I probably had like 10 full different costumes. But full a lot costume. of our stuff is very like piecework. Like I have a skirt that I can combine with different things or yeah. a top or uh, a bra and a belt or coin set that you can mix and match with stuff. How often do you change, like during performances, do you change or, or is it? Oh, God. We did that one time for Mid-State Fair, and that was a nightmare. Mm -hmm. I, I We never did it again after that because we were like, oh, no, no, no. Nice. Okay. So let's go back to the dance a little bit. So um, so is each dance um related i know there are specific songs that are played like is a dance tied to a song or do you make uh, up your own dance in traditional egyptian belly dancing yes typically um usually dances are related to the particular rhythm that is played so it's the rhythm uh, on the drum so we have one dance called ayub ayub is a specific drum rhythm that is played so our dance kind of revolves around that rhythm sure um if it's more of like a tradition, like a recorded piece and there's like lyrics to it, then we kind of just do whatever. And um, yeah, but usually when we create a set list, we try to have like a general theme that goes with it. So one year we did, um, we called it our primal set. 
So we did this like African fusion stuff and that was so much fun. Oh my gosh. We actually learned some African dance moves, which, wow. I, you know, uh, belly dance is pretty challenging as it is. And then to learn African on top of that was intense. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, so, um, what goes into crafting a set or is it just like, you know what, well, we just got to fill time. Um, I think we usually like to start with kind of a general idea of what we want the theme to be. Um, for Ren Faire, that's a little bit easier. We're trying to just stick to things that are more traditional, things that make sense for the fair that we're at. Uh, again, with our local fair, they want it to be more historically accurate. So we try to stick to pieces that are more focused on the drum rhythm. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, we've done Ayub. Um, we do a, a Shift to Telly piece that's usually more for soloists because um, Shift to Telly is a really fun rhythm. You can do it really slow and be like really slinky. And then there's a faster version. It, it almost sounds like a different song, but it's not. It's the same exact rhythm. It's just sped up. So that one's a fun one to do. Um, and then Rock Sharky, um, that's a ballady based dance number. It's always a crowd favorite. <laughs> Why is it a crowd favorite? Uh, it's really fast. Okay. okay. <laughs> and it involves clapping. Uh, people love to be able to clap along, I guess. That's, sure. That seems to be very popular. Yeah. Audience interaction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the drummers like to drum it too. Like they always put a little extra into their drumming when we, when we do that one. So nice. How many drummers will you have in a troupe when it's like, like a, a full troupe? Oh man. The best that I think we ever had is we had either five or six drummers. And um, we had one guy in particular, uh, he was really, really good. Like he was our lead drummer. So he would do all of the extra flourishes. So, you know, go into a little drumming thing here. <laughs> so a lot of um, belly dance music, the drumming, there's, there's different parts, kind of like how when you have in an orchestra, there's like the... A flute seat three, two, and one. So sure. the the threes are kind of doing like the very basic uh, backbeat, and then you have the second level. They're maybe a little bit more than the backbeat. They're adding a little bit on, and then the lead person is doing all of these extra flourishes. And for drumming, that involves like a lot of these like tacks and slides off of the the drum face. Um, it's really technically hard. There's not a lot of drummers that can do that. So if you have a, somebody who can do it, like you let them shine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you get a, like a, almost a solo for them too. Like, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, actually, uh, a guy that we've known for a really long time, Keith Crowhawk, uh, reached out to us this year and he said he wanted to perform with us. And he is one of these guys who are incredible. <laughs> like, yes. He's an incredible drummer. He drums for the um, Cal Poly Arab Music Ensemble. So the fact that he's coming is really exciting. We're like, oh, yay. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, so let's talk. Okay. So let's talk about Ren Fair again. Um, it's kind of a bit of a commitment, right? <laughs> it is. Yeah. Can yeah. you describe like I mean you're basically out of pocket for 2 weeks? Is mm. that about right? Um, well, a lot of our stuff has been in the troupe for a long time. Like we've reused a lot of stuff. Um, 
When I'm in thrift stores, I'm always looking for like newer fabric to kind of replace some old stuff because things just get, you know, weathered from the sun. Um, we do need to look at replacing some of our rugs. Um, but that's usually something like we'll try to like pool our resources together. Yeah. Uh, although Ron and Margie are guild leaders, they kind of have spent most of the money. Um, I think because they know for a long time, a lot of us were yeah. poor and were going to school, you know, so we didn't have the money and they're boomer age. Um, they're very subtle. They own their own home. They're both retired now. So <laughs> how like is there a, just like a huge storage unit with all of this stuff? Yeah. Well, we have a trailer that uh-huh. most of the stuff just kind of stays in. And then Ron and Marky have a storage unit at their property where they've stored some extra stuff. Yeah. So the fair, because the fair itself is what, every weekend? So Is our, it every day or is it every weekend day? So our rent fair is pretty small. It's just the one weekend. One weekend? Yes. Uh, there are fairs that do like a two weekend. So they'll do one weekend, week goes by, nothing's going on. Next weekend, have the fair. And then there are other fairs that do it for an entire month. Yeah. So those ones actually will have like permanent structures at the fair site that they just leave up all month long. And they'll have different themes for every week. So they'll have a week of like the theme is fairies or mermaids. And they had one year where the theme was belly dancers. And um, those are really fun. We've never actually gone to a month long one because... Well, you'd have our, to, our, like, quit your job or yeah. <laughs> go on. Our, our troop uh, would not have enough des- de- dedicated people to pull that off. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like so much. I mean, even just what you've been describing, like, you basically go underground <laughs> during Ren Fair week. Like, yeah. like, it may only be the weekend, but for you guys with all of the setup and making sure that everything is, you know, the way it's supposed yeah. to be. Well, my group, like, we actually can get our setup up pretty quick. Um, most of the other people at the fair have to come, yeah, sometime during the week and start setting up. We show up the Friday before nice. and just go to town, put everything up, decorate. Um, and we're usually done before it even remotely gets dark. So nice, nice. <laughs> we've got it down to an art form. <laughs> awesome. So you've mentioned, okay, so where else, what are some other places that you've performed? Obviously, so you've mentioned the Ren Fair and then the Christmas show. Mm-hmm. Have there been other places or is it mostly those two? Uh, we did do Elegant Evening. Oh, it was that? in downtown Paso. Um, it's something that Paso has done for a really long time. And it was originally created to kind of help drive business in the downtown area of Paso, especially for during Christmas time, wanting to keep people shopping locally instead of spending their money in big box stores or online. Um, and it was... a uh, it was also in coordination with um, the schools doing like plays. So they would always do the Nutcracker play. Um, and so in the stores, they would do in the window display, they would have the actors dress up as their Nutcracker characters and pose as if they were a mannequin in the window. And they were supposed to like not move. And so people would like try to mess with them to get them to break character and stuff. Um, and then they would have the band um play and then yeah the belly dancers we had a particular area we would perform and they had other um like children's dance groups uh choirs yeah it was all just kind of to entertain people and to get people to be 
downtown spending money for Christmas. It does sound like another winter thing. Yes, I know. <laughs> what is it with that? I don't know. I don't understand why that kept happening. It just did. Um, I guess we should clarify that, yes, the outfit is kind of like you see in the movie. Like it is yes. fairly non Yes. Covering. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, basically a top and then some like loose flowy pants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are workarounds too. Like, so we would wear harem pants under, or sometimes just tights uh, under our skirts, mm-hmm. like thick fleece lined tights, um, boots. And sometimes you like, there's belly dancing type of like choli tops that were long sleeved. So you could have your arms covered mm-hmm. so you weren't totally exposed. <laughs> and to be fair, too, once you d- start dancing, yeah. you get kind of warmed up. Yeah. So I think some people think belly dancing, like, and they think, like, like just, like, the sexy element oh, yeah. that's kind of gross. Yeah. Uh-huh. What would you have to say to, <laughs> about that? <laughs> oh. Well, it, it gets back to the exoticism of, like, Orientalism. Yeah. Um, I mean, this has been going on for a really long time as Europeans going to Middle East and finding that culture exotic and just, yeah, sexualizing the women uh, because they dress differently. You know, I I found this uh, a little while ago, actually, and it's really interesting because it gets back to kind of like the translation stuff and culture differences. Um. So in the Middle East, women don't wear corsets. I mean, they don't wear right. any kind yeah. of binding around their stomach region. Um, but obviously the women in Europe did. So when the men were going to places, now most of the time they didn't see or interact with women until they started going to like the palaces and being entertained. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kings and queens and noblemen always had some type of entertainers and so they didn't think anything of it they would have somebody perform for them they're like oh we're sharing our culture with you and then they'd see these women not wearing any type of corset or binding material and they were just like scandalized by they're like oh my god your women have they 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 thought that they were bare-bellied and that's kind of where the term belly dance comes from Uh it wasn't necessarily their belly was dancing. It was just that, oh, my goodness, they're not, like, constricting their stomachs because, like, they did cover their stomachs. They wouldn't expose it like a lot of we see in the artwork or like right. what Princess Jasmine was. But that's, that's not a thing ever. Uh, no. <laughs> right, right. Um, ah, that's so, interesting. yeah, they, they never danced with exposed bellies. It was just because they weren't wearing corsets or stays or any type of binding material over their bellies. So it was just like the men were just like, oh, scandalous. <laughs> so scandalous. Yes. <laughs> the mission of the Zeitgeist Academy is simple. I want everyone to live their best musical life. If your dream includes singing with confidence, I got you. I made a mini online course so you can get out of musical drama and finally understand which vocal elements make you sound good. Banish forever those fears of being out of key, off rhythm, and other assorted mayhem. Step into your best musical life, my friends. Sign up for the free course at zeitgeistacademy.com radio. So... 
Do you feel up to telling some Ren Fair stories? Oh, God. <laughs> There's some really good yes. ones. Yes. I love telling Ren Fair stories. And this whole culture is just so interesting. Yes. And I think a lot of people have <laughs> no idea. Oh, my God. The shenanigans we get up to. There's a lot of shenanigans. There is so much. Like, I, I'm sure people think that they see that stuff during the daytime and, and think that that's wild enough. And I, I promise you it gets so much more wild at night because then we don't have to behave in front of the general public <laughs> and people get very good and drunk so i will share a story that uh is about me because then i won't get in trouble for sharing it so this was at the ojai renaissance fair um it was a beautiful location it was right on the lake um there was grass which is very exciting now a lot of ren fair sites have grass um but it gets very cold at night and I had bought in these boots, these like witchy style boots that went up to my knees. Um, I loved them. I was so excited to wear them because I don't get to wear them during the day because I'm wearing belly dance stuff. So at nighttime, like, oh, I'm going to wear my sexy witchy boots and like a peasant blouse and, you know, that kind of thing. And we were walking around at night and I had had like a few drinks, but I wasn't like super drunk. I was just a little buzzed. And I trip on a tree root. I didn't fall. I caught myself. And my my friends who were walking with me at the time, they were like, oh, are you okay? And then I said, in this exact way, and I have to always remember to not say it the correct way, but I said, I'm dark and it's drunk. <laughs> And I knew after I said it, I was like, no, no, wait, I meant, and, and my friend Jake, he was like, no, no, we all heard it. And we're going to remember this forever. You're never going to live this down. I was like, cool, cool. Great, 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 great. great. Start. Yes. And so then the next day, Jake comes up to me and he's like, hey, you know that bone pin guy? So there was this guy who sold these bone pins and they had all these different quotes and phrases from like movies and pop culture and stuff on them um so jake comes up to me he's like hey so yeah that bone pin guy he makes custom ones <laughs> and he's like where is this going he's like you should have him make a pin with what you said last night and at first i was like is that weird is that a weird thing to do and i was like you know everyone else has like a crazy ren fair story and this was like when I had just started going to fairs. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to just double down on this and go for it. So I tell Jake, okay, I'm going to do it. So I go to the bone pan guy and ask him if I can make a custom one. And he said, oh, yeah, just write on here what it is you want. Um, so I write it down and then he reads it and he looks at me and he's like, is this from something? <laughs> and I was no, no. I said that last night and he just starts laughing and he's like, I love it. I love this. He's like, can I make more of them with this? I was like, I mean, yeah, I guess if you really want to. You're like, just cut me a royalty check. And yes. <laughs> um, so, so he, because when they're custom made, it takes him a while to make them. So he said, okay, like I'm going to go be at this fair in a, a few months and I was like oh well my troop's going to be there too he said perfect you can pick it up there so I pick it up and I put it on my pirate hat 
which I pretty much always wear at some point at Ren Fair, especially at night when we're all hanging on partying. And I remember like the next year I'm at another guild. We're hanging around out just talking. And this guy in the middle of the conversation, he like turns to me and he's like, wait, are you it's it's dark and I'm drunk out, girl. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> Other people now know about this story. And he presumes to tell me, like, oh, yeah, yeah I heard about it from such and such person. And I was <laughs> like, gay. Oh, my God. My story has become infamous now. Nice. Oh, so one thing that um, that you said in, while telling this story that I just kind of want to, like, I don't know point out like you picked it up at another fair oh yeah like there's this whole culture of yeah oh i'll see you at this like this like these people you only see at fairs but you see them enough yes. that you can plan on meeting up yes yes so <laughs> yeah here's another fun fact about especially rent fair culture here in california um our state has a fair every month like, no other state in the country has that many affairs. We're the only one. So it definitely, yeah, helps allow for that to happen. Because it, it, it's the same people. It's the same. A lot of them are same vendors. It's a lot of the same guilds. So if you go to different fairs, you kind of see the same people. And you're like, oh, yeah, you get to know you. people. And you're yeah. like, oh, my friend from this. Yeah. And it's yeah. like this. Do you, like, for example, there's um right next to your at least this last year when I saw you dance right next to your like setup, there's a whole pirate setup. Like, do you just like know those pirate guys and like just travel? You know, I've honestly, I've honestly only ever seen them at our fair. I think okay. they do more of the Southern ones. I think they do Irwindale and Escondido. And those are like the really big fairs that um, they probably make more money at those mm -hmm. ones. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they're making a decent amount at ours too, but um yeah, I, I don't think I've seen them anywhere else. Um, I've seen the the guy who does the parrot act, the foul tales. I've seen him pretty much every fair we've ever gone to. Like him and his wife are just, they're dedicated. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that this is some people's like main livelihood? Oh, yes. This is kind of outside Absolutely. of our belly dancing, but like, yes. yeah. Yeah, especially the vendors. Um, the guilds, maybe about like half and half. Um, I think some people just do it just because it's fun. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I know the vendors for sure. Like this is their breadwinner. Yeah. I did have one incident in Ojai Fair where I was just walking with my girlfriends. We were just strolling around the fair and this guy comes up to me and he's just like, oh, my lady, you are so beautiful. Uh, and he, he, he referenced some like daring deed that he would be willing to, to win me over. <laughs> And and I'm just like rolling with it, like oh gosh, oh if, if you say so. <laughs> and then this other guy just kind of appears out of nowhere, and he's like, "No, my lady, I would, I would do this." And it was like something even more ridiculous. And I was just like, "Oh, well, that's nice." <laughs> and then they start going back and forth towards each other, and I was slightly concerned because then they started to like raise their voices. Like I, mean, I was like, "Is this gonna turn into a fight?" <laughs> and a, a part of you is like, oh no, that's terrible. But then another part of you is like slightly turned on. Right, right. The idea right, of two right. men fighting over you. <laughs> so I was like, boys, boys, don't fight over me unless you absolutely have to. <laughs> yeah, Renfair is just, I mean, it, 
I've really enjoyed hearing like just kind of again, it's it's kind of a niche thing where yeah. Um, for those who are in it, there's just so much and there's so much richness yes. and joy that happens. It's, it's like and, when you combine like a theater kid yeah. and, um, and then they majored in history, nerd, like a and d <laughs> nerd, and then someone who just really loves alcohol. Like I always describe Rennies as the alcoholics of the nerds. <laughs> and I mean but, that in the best way possible. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's go back to... Um, there was one thing I wanted to come back to in the, the belly dance side of things. Um, you've mentioned solos a couple times. What would, do you remember your first solo? Oh boy. I think so. It was at Ren Fair. And, uh, yeah, I think it was again, one of those moments where we just needed to fill time. Yeah. And my, my dance teacher was just like, do you want to, do you want to solo? And I'm like, I, I guess so. Gosh, I'll try. I'll do it my best. So when you solo, do you have, is that an opportunity to be a little more freeform or do you yes. plan out what yes. you're going to do? Uh, I mean, there are some dancers who super choreograph their solos. Um, and and I, I think I would do that more if I was on a stage with recorded music. But at Ren Fair, mm. a lot of times it's just improvised. Nice. Nice. Yeah, because I saw you several times. Um, so do you prefer soloing or do you prefer the group dancing? Uh, I mean, different? I like, I like both. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, soloing is fun because yeah, it's just you. I mean, you're getting all the attention <laughs> and I love attention. <laughs> um, but dancing with a group is fun too. Um, I actually really, I think I like doing duets a lot. Oh Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. like me and a, either Nikki or Sarah will do a duet of a sword dance together, and that is really fun. Um, it's a little bit easier to kind of sync yourself up with another person if it's just one person. Mm -hmm. Sometimes with the group dances, it's hard to get everybody coordinated and right on the money together. Yeah. But if it's, it's just pretty one incredible other person, when that does happen, yes, like it looks amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so with a duet, is that choreographed or is that also... That's usually choreographed. Okay. Yes. But I mean, hey, there are times where something wonky happens and we've kind of just like self-taught ourselves to just roll with it. Um, and that's something I've been taught by a lot of different dance instructors, no matter what style of dance you're learning, is learning to just kind of adapt when something goes wrong. Um, just keep doing like something you know keep that smile up uh pose whatever you gotta do to keep it going because like we've done our sword dance and the sword had fallen off of a girl's head and they had to just keep going like just keep doing the move as right. if they had a sword still <laughs> oh that's so scary has anyone been hurt by a sword no Nice. No, well, not, not that I know of. That's good. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure someone somewhere in the history, yes, yes but yes. like in, I we mean, actually, in your experience. We actually like to joke that, that somebody did get hurt at some point. Um, I think Nanette and I and the girls, we came up with this whole bit of how like um, we're going to go out and do the sword dance and Nanette will try and stop us. And she'll be like, don't you remember what happened the last time you guys did this? Yeah. And we were like, what? What are you talking about? He... He just lost one ear. He had two. <laughs> He's fine. It's an extra. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, have you, so she's mainly the one who does a lot of the interaction with the, uh, like leads the narrative or have you done that too? Um, I've done a little bit too. Uh, we used to have a girl in our group who was Asika. Um, she was a theater kid, like legit theater kid. And she was the most interactive with the crowd. I mean, she, she would come up with these bits that would just be so funny. Like we're trying to be serious because we're supposed to be in on it. But I, I would laugh sometimes so hard. I had to, like, hide my face in a scarf or something. Um, she would do this thing where we would have the good dancer, bad dancer. So we would pick a girl who was supposed to be the good dancer. And <clears throat> they were arguing over who was the better dancer. Right. So we'd purposely have one girl dance well. And then Seiko would pretend to be bad, like, purposely dancing just awful. Right. And every time she had to, like, top herself and do something more outrageous than this. <laughs> oh, gosh. There was this time she, like, she was, like, trying to do a shimmy, but, like, again, doing it badly. So she would just do, like, like convulsing <laughs> thing. And then one time she just dropped down on her stomach and just doing, like, a swimming <laughs> that one, oh my god that one had me in stitches i was laughing so hard yeah just doing like like weird dance moves from yes <laughs> yes and she would she would heckle people in the audience too um when someone was soloing sometimes like she would go and sit next to some random person and start talking to them like do you like the show yeah are you gonna give us a good tip <laughs> they were like, the people just didn't know what to do. They were like, oh, yeah, okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think what's so interesting about this little, like, microculture that you're part of is there's, like, this whole, like, deep element of music with these mm -hmm. complex rhythms. And I know some of, the, some of the music from that area, like, harmonically is just really fascinating. Yeah. Um, and, and way more complex than than even western music sometimes so there's like this whole deep like music thing there's this whole deep history thing there's like actual like your your knowledge of each piece of these has to be you know pr fairly intensive yeah and then also like there's this element of just ridiculousness and yes. performing <laughs> i mean you're at a ren fair which is kind of ridiculous just in and of itself mm -hmm. you know you're you're trying to make it like like, yes, it's a historical performance, but it's also, like, needs to be entertaining. And, you yes. know, there's lots of kids. It's a family-friendly yeah, yeah. thing. I so. always tell people, like, the whole point of Ren Faire, even the ones that try to be historically accurate, I mean, they're not. They're never going to be yeah. purely historically accurate. Because if they were, no one would have any fun <laughs> at all. Maybe, like, the royalty and the nobles would be having fun, but right. nobody else would be really having fun. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I always think of it as more as like it's a modern recreation of an idyllic version of, of that yeah. time and period. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good way to put it because I want myself a giant turkey leg. Yeah. And that yeah, and that's like, yeah, like <laughs> turkey legs were not historically accurate, right. but that's an American bird. It is, it is. <laughs> um, but it also it it it's popular and yeah, it it it's a big meaty meal so yeah you know people are willing to stand in line for that yep and then you get to feel like you are yes i feel like a barbarian as i gnaw on this giant leg right i know that's um again it's just it's such an interesting like 
little subculture here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's like several. There's the there's the music. Okay, so let's talk about the drummers. Um, what do you do? So how often would you say you dance to recorded versus live music? <sighs> at, at Ren Fair or just like in general? Um, I don't know. I was thinking okay. in general, but either way. <laughs> Uh, well, so, so like I said, some of the rent fairs that want to be more historically accurate, they won't let us have recorded music. Uh-huh. And for a long time, Slow was like that. Uh, they recently changed their tune, I'm assuming because of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, typically we would just have live drummers. Um, a lot of the more like pleasure fantasy fairs, because they it was already a free-for-all to begin with. They didn't care if we had recorded music, um, which actually was nice because our drummers, like, we can only perform what the drummers know how to drum. So sure. if the drummers don't practice and rehearse things, we can't perform that dance. So if we had our recorded music, it was a lot easier. Sure. Um, I have, let's see. For San Jose and Vegas Fair, we could have recorded music. And... uh. Vegas Fair was definitely a must because it was farther away, so not a lot of people in our troop would go to it. Mm-hmm. So we usually had a much smaller group for them. Uh, there was one year, it was only me and another dancer. <laughs> for the whole time? For the whole time. And Vegas is three days. It's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So... <laughs> And and this other dancer, she's not even technically in our group. She was just like a <laughs> guest dancer that we've become really good friends with. She lives in San Jose. And so we were we were just kind of looking at each other and we're like, well, I guess we're just going to have to do a lot of improvisation. Yeah. Um, but she, oh God, she's an amazing dancer. Her name's Firefly. If you live in the Bay Area and you're ever able to watch Firefly, do it because nice. she's incredible. Like, I I know that I've gotten to a pretty good level now, but like, Larissa is amazing. Firefly <laughs> is just something else. She's she's just incredible. Um, yeah, she she's so good at reading somebody else, like mm-hmm. anticipating their body language and what they're gonna do next. So when we had to do that fair and it was just the two of us, she could kind of read me and predict what I was going to do so we could kind of like feed off of each other. Uh, that was actually a really fun fair. <laughs> we had to perform in front of a, a, a king and queen for their dinner. And we were both just like, okay, so uh, I guess what we'll do is you solo, I'll solo, and then we'll do a song kind of together. Yes. And uh, yeah, we, we killed it. So. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what do you think is next for you for Dabali dancing? Oh, well, our troupe has kind of declined as of late. Yeah. A lot of the dancers have moved away, um, and we just haven't been able to get new people really in. And I think my, COVID was rough on performing groups generally. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then my dance teacher, she's been having a lot of health issues, so I'm not sure if she's ever going to really be able to teach new people again. So I'm actually looking to start teaching myself. Nice. I just need to find the right place Mm -hmm. to do that. Um, But yeah, I think that's going to be the next adventure is teaching, which I've never done before. (laughs) Oh, very exciting. Teaching is awesome. Yeah. 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 You'll you'll totally rock it. I absolutely know that. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, So for my last question, there is a. um, uh, So do you know do you know what zeitgeist means? 
Zeitgeist Radio. You'll have to remind me. Yeah. So Zeitgeist (laughs) is like spirit of the times. Okay. And it's kind of like that feeling for what it's like to be like, like alive and part of a dynamic culture. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a moment that I call a Zeitgeist moment, which like every single person, I think, who enjoys music at all has had this. And I'm always so interested to ask my guests, like they all do such different things, but they've all had this moment. Mm -hmm. And so I call it a Zeitgeist moment where you're listening to music. So music is part of it, but you just feel like you just like come alive and you feel like like something just clicks for you and you just like it just there's like a flow or, you know, whatever um, where where you just kind of like pop alive. Um, yeah. When was like either a recent zeitgeist moment or like a really memorable zeitgeist moment for you? Oh, man. Oh, I think I know the exact moment. Uh, this was back in Ojai Ren Fair, and I was soloing, and I, I don't know what it was. I, I, I just tapped into something. I was just on a roll. I was soloing, and like the crowd was kind of going crazy, and um, I was like spinning really, really fast at the end, and the drummers were like going really, really fast to like match my spinning, and I actually kind of tripped on my skirt, but. When I landed, I landed and I like made this cool pose at the end <laughs> and everybody thought I had done it on purpose. And I was just like, oh, my God. Yes, I am a star. <laughs> yes. Where even like your mistakes make you just like, yes, <laughs> look so epic. Yes. Uh. Yes. And then I, oh, God. Yeah, there was that one. And then um, when we were doing our primal set, we were performing at Rakasa and there's this part in the music where we um, do this cool backbend. Um, and I just remember hearing the crowd like go nuts when we did it. And I was just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. Well, L- Larissa, Zara, thank you so much for being on my podcast. Well, thanks for having fun. me. This was so much fun. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Zeitgeist Radio. To uplevel your musical journey and become a music student for life, join the Zeitgeist Academy by signing up for my bi-weekly newsletter. You'll get exclusive content, blog posts, and behind-the-scenes insights. I love putting it together, and you'll love reading it. Head over to zeitgeistacademy.com radio. That's Z-E-I-T-G-E-I-S-T academy.com radio. Music for this episode was created by Ian Boswell. Please hit that subscribe button and tell all your friends you found a cool new podcast. See you next time.